Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey everyone, Glenn here. Thanks for listening to my Millennial Money. Today on the podcast, we've got what I think is going to be an exciting, fascinating, encouraging story. This is for anyone who, one, wants to get involved in personal finance, two, wants to be encouraged by someone else's story, and three, anyone else who just loves listening to the My Millennial Stories. Now, my guest today is Esther Abia. Esther reached out to me just to connect and say hi, and she told me a little bit about what she was doing. Esther, firstly, welcome. Thank you. Hello. And secondly, you do so much and you've done a lot of stuff. So, we're just going to talk about what Esther's been up to, a bit about her history, a bit about her story, and we'll see where where this episode goes. Are you ready to have a chat, Esther? Yes, sure am. All right, let's do this. Okay, Esther, hit us. Who are you? What's your story? All the good stuff. Introduce yourself. Um, so, hi guys. So, my name's Esther and I'm an 18-year-old student uh, currently studying business and IT. And I came here in Australia as a refugee with my mum and my siblings and I've like over the past few years I've been involved in a lot of personal curricular activities I guess like all throughout high school like my whole life was just yeah getting involved in the community helping advocating for young people from multicultural backgrounds and also people from low socioeconomic backgrounds and I've been fortunate to be recognized for my efforts and I've been awarded the ABC uh, spirit, uh, community spirit award with like my work with, um, QPAS, which is an organization for people from refugee backgrounds and also being recognized by, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, Bernice King, for my work in activism and, um, also been awarded Emerging Young Leader Award. But that's just a bit about me. And I've also an analyst at a, uh, corporate bank of one of Australia's big five banks. Um, yeah, at 18. So that was really like interesting. But yeah, that's what? a bit about me. Sorry, guys, that I'm like rumbling. Like, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I don't want to come across as like bragging. So I'm just like, what? No. What do I say? Like, no, I'm, no, like, that's oh, fine. God. I was going to say, can you save some awards for the rest of us? <laughs> uh, oh, but, look, okay, a lot to unpack here. You're 18 yeah. years old. You are so mature. You are so like awesome and you've done so much uh, for your age, but I just want to now unpack your story and learn from you. So, you said to me in the documents uh, or in the emails before that you were born in a refugee camp. Yes. So, 
I know, we can't really remember the day we, we were born, but talk to us about when you came to Australia, where did you come from and what was that experience like for you, if you remember, or what do you remember from that experience growing up? Yeah, I certainly do remember, like, coming to Australia. So, like, I, as Glenn had just mentioned before, like, I grew up in a refugee camp and my mum had to flee while my mum was pregnant with me. She had to flee along with my siblings, flee from the Democratic Republic of Congo um, to a refugee camp in Malawi. And so that's where I lived in up until I was five years old. Obviously, I, I still really remember like the, the challenges living in a refugee camp, like literally living in a house that was made out of mud and hay, um, relying a lot of our water, we had to rely from the Red Cross, like a lot of food, we also had to rely from the Red Cross and other various organisations like from the UN. And I still specifically remember when my mum literally got that, when my mum told me and my siblings that we're coming to Australia, she literally came and picked us up, like she went to like the schools that we were at and she was like guys we're going to Australia we're going to Australia because at the time so basically what happens when you're not notified that you're you've been approved is like your name gets put up on a board and you get allocated a country and so my mum everyone told my mum hey your name has been put up uh on the wall you're going to Australia and so yeah it was just like a crazy experience like we knew our life was going to be transformed like immensely it was insane and yeah, I remember saying goodbye to all of my friends and some of my relatives that were in the refugee camp. And, like, I just always consider myself as, like, the lucky one. Like, the lucky ones being able to come to a country to be able to be safe and to further my education and, like, really improve my life. So, yeah, like, life in the refugee camp, yeah, was tough. It was really, really hard. But I'm so grateful to be living now in Australia Mm. And coming to Australia was such a huge culture shock. First of all, seeing white people, like, everywhere, like, like, that was a shock. Like, I remember seeing, like, white people be like, oh, my God, like, these people, like, exist. And just, I don't know, just everything, like, having a toilet, like, being able to, like, I don't know, drink, drink, like, water without having to walk miles and miles away. Like, it was just, like an incredible like it was just so different and also just such a you know an incredible experience coming just from a completely different reality to our new reality so yeah that's I mean the resilience that you know people in your position have to go through Mm. I mean when you see people whinging online about trivial trivial issues are you just like that's cute latte breath get a grip you don't know how good you've got it yeah yeah it's it's definitely like I'm so grateful like I feel like just because I've had that experience I recognize just the little things like being able to have an education being able Mm -hmm. to just I don't know feel safe is a huge thing as well so yeah were you did you say sorry you were five years old when you came to Australia or was it a little bit after yeah Five. So I came in Australia as five, but I was go- uh, I turned six because my like Perfect. my birthday is like in, at the end of the year. And so, did you start uh, kindergarten in Australia, or did you no, go straight started, into one? I started prep. Yeah, prep. prep. Okay, cool. Prep. Yep. Yeah. In uh, Queensland, Esther, it's called prep. Yeah. Everyone, Esther is in Queensland, as she just said. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And what? So when you were growing up 
in Australia, you're a um, you know six year old. Um, what was mum and your siblings doing? Like, did your mum get a job easy enough in Australia? What was the financial support like? No, so my mum, because she grew up like when growing up, like as a woman, you can't go to school, and also. Um, just living in a such unstable country on top of that as well, she never got an education. So she was illiterate until she was... So she she arrived in Australia when she was 29. So she learned how to write her name at 29 years old. Wow. So illiterate. And obviously when you're illiterate, you can't really get a job. Like, so most of our income, we depended on, like, Centrelink while mm. she went to school and tried to, like, learn and catch up on years of the education that she'd missed out on. My oldest sister was only 12, so she she went to a school called Millipera, so for kids that are too old for primary school, um, that are freshly from, like, Africa or, like, uh, from refugee backgrounds, really. Um, and so she went to that school to learn, like, to try and catch up before she went to high school. And my second oldest sister, um, she was in year three. So we were just a single mom with three kids. So And I was obviously mm. in prep. So And my mom was just trying to catch up on, like, learning and everything like that. Yeah, I think, you know, for me these conversations uh, really give everyone a really good understanding of how different the world is and different environments. And, yeah. you know, it was just, and you know, we don't know what we don't know. And I didn't know that um, your mum of that age coming to Australia from a different country wasn't allowed to go to school. You know what I mean? So all this stuff, it's a, it's a good platform for, basic information for us to be less presumptuous about uh, the background yeah. of different people that we meet, right? Even in my reality, like, it wasn't until I was in grade three that I realised people's parents knew how to read. Wow. I mm. did not realise, like, people's parents knew how to read. I remember, like, being with one of my friends and her mum was, like, reading and I was like, bro, like... Her mom knows how to read. This is insane. Like, how does her mom know how to read and write? Like, this is like crazy. Because at five years old, like, even in grade one, I was reading um, government letters for my pe- for my mom and trying to translate that for her. Mm. When we had to go to like doctor's appointments and stuff, I had to. Me and my siblings, we had to try and translate it for her. So. Yeah, even in, like in my reality, I thought people's parents didn't know how to read or write. And also I should add, um, we were fortunate enough at my school. So I went to a Catholic school. And so one of, we had a nun at that school um, and whose sister Sue, I'll say her name because she's my god. She became my godmother and she became such an integral person like in my life. Mm. Like she was basically like, my siblings and I's second parent and she did a lot for us not even just like past high school and even now she's very like so much in our lives so we we were lucky and fortunate enough that we had her as a support system that made sure that we did experience 
a normal like childhood so she helped she financed us to be able to do sport to be able to do extracurricular activities um, which is insane because you don't expect going to a school and thinking that someone like she was a pastoral care person at our school like someone like a teacher like helping you out like that and yeah so she we were lucky in that regard having someone a second parent really yeah well shout out sister um (laughs) (laughs) she's gonna listen to this podcast so (laughs) awesome well she's yeah we want to thank her for uh for all that she gives in her uh, life and calling so you graduated school last year and you know, clearly growing up uh, in Australia with a lot of, uh, you know, government support as income and, you know, it, it was a low socio socioeconomic background for you. And, you know, you're into personal finance now, but I guess, you know, you've just completed high school last year and you, you're studying at university and you, you've got a job at a big bank, assume part-time work while you did uni. Yes, yes. Yeah, and there and now you're working at a, another firm in financial services. Uh private wealth, yes. Private wealth, awesome. So, how did you get kind of involved in personal finance and have such an interest in personal finance? I stumbled across a lot of like podcasts, like She's on the Money, My Millennial Money and the FIRE community also on Instagram. So that's kind of how I got involved in like personal finance and that like fueled my interest on like, like financial independence and all that kind of jazz. So that was, yeah, that's kind of like my story of how I got into personal finance. Yeah. And a lot of people just find an interest and they're interested in it and you think, oh, I don't know. I've always been interested in it. Um, Yeah. Now- We'll take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk about kind of what you invest in and a little bit about the other kind of side hustly things that you've got happening. So, we'll be right back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, Esther, talk to us about your Instagram account called Hustles and Invests. What's that all about? Hustles and Invests was basically 
is based is an account that I've created to educate other young people, other young Gen Zs about um, personal finance and how to, you know, invest and basically like simplifying personal finance and not make it so like complicated because I feel like a lot of people my age, like we literally over complicate, like there's just like this whole idea that like finance is just so complicated that investing in like the stock market and just investing in general is so hard when really it's just really, really simple. So yeah, I decided to create an Instagram account. Yeah. To, to try and educate Gen Z's about personal finance. And what would you say, like, what are the lessons, like you've obviously just started investing in, you know, the recent years, um, even maybe when you turned 18, you probably had your first investment account, right? What do you currently invest in and how do you do it personally? Um, for me, I, I'm a bit of a boring person, but I kind of want to go a bit more risky because I've realized I'm only 18 and like, just like to take a bit more like bigger risks. So I invest in like the S&P 500 and like Vanguard um, ETFs. And that's basically all I do. It's very boring. Like nothing like, oh, like I'm investing in this stock. Like nothing like that. Um, but I actually recently, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. But I, I, I did it because I've kind of changed my investment like kind of like strategy I did pull out my investments out of like the stock like I pulled out all of my money um out of like my like investments and stuff because like out of like my ETFs and stuff like that because I kind of want to go into property more than at this stage of my life I want to go into properties more than I want to go into like stocks so I pulled out all of my account to try and like yeah, to try and speed up my process of buying my first investment property. No, no, that's fine because I think it's important to, because that comes back to a what you value as an investor, right? And mm-hmm. you want to line up with your interests and your goals. And yeah. sure, you started investing in you know the ETFs and you understood and it wasn't that scary, but you had a change like, oh, actually, I want to buy an investment property. So yes, yeah you've just resolved that. So, that's all good. And how long realistically do you think it would be until based on your um, income at work at the moment until you could save to get a deposit for an investment property? September, by the end of September, I'll be able to get yeah, my first investment property. Um, I have like a big ambitious goal. Like I want to get it before I turn 19, but my birthday's in November. Like yeah. how, like, am I, like, how's my buyer's agent going to be able to get a house for me in like two months? I'm going to be like, oh, you know what? I have a big goal. Like, and like also my birthday's 2nd of November. So like, because of that, like I do have enough money by September next month to be able to buy my first investment property, but I'm just going to continue like saving and saving until like, like November hits. How much, how much do you want to spend on the first investment property? Um, I want to buy a property under 300k. Yep. Have you started looking at different regions for that? Yeah, I have. Like I've been like snooping around, like more so like regional so I've been looking at Shepparton one thing 
the only reason why Shepparton because I know people that live in Shepparton so I know like family friends that live there and also just like like Tasmania and that kind of like areas and stuff like that so yeah like been like looking around but for me like because I obviously I'm going to get a buyer's agent I kind of alluded that before like I'm mm. not like that's why I'm not like really like oh my god like looking at like different areas because I kind of like put that trust on my buyer's agent to be able to make that good decision for me. Yeah, so basically when it comes to investment properties, it's a goal that you want an investment property, you understand that it will need to be a regional area. So yes, then you yes. can um, find a buyer's agent and you can say, look, here's a bit of a budget. I want this to stand up on its own or to the rent to cover the mortgage repayments or whatever. And then you can just work with them to execute, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And, you know, even if you did buy your first investment property while you were 19, like that's still awesome. And yeah. and the cool, like it's just really cool that you're engaged and dialed in. And, you know, I, I'll just really encourage you to, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. So what do you want to do in 10 years, like, or five years? Like, what does Esther want her life to look like even in three years 10 years is a bit much because that's just crazy <laughs> um like I have a really like big goal of like obviously like in the next like five years I just want to continuously build my property portfolio like that's kind of what I'm aiming for like just continuously building my property portfolio like I have a bigger goal of being a business owner I really want to be I really want to start a startup. Like I have a keen interest in like fintech and all that in in that kind of space. And so I think that's like my like big goal that I want to be able to like achieve. And also I have a big financial goal that I want to hit by 25. So, yeah. So more around like the your net worth and yeah, around my like my net worth and like building up my assets. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, well, I just think, you know, the fact that you're 18, you're at university, you'll be done at university in a couple of years, you're in, um, you know, computer science, IT, finance, like these are very good industries, right? And I, I just think if you can keep your cash flow lean and agile and always have that investor mindset, not only saving for an investment property, but the investor mindset, I want to build a business. I want to, you've just got to keep lean and agile. And anyone else that's out there who's listening and who is, you know, under 25, you've just got to keep lean and agile. Uh, like I'm a dinosaur compared to you and I'm in my third career. Like it's, life is, it's just not this one thing. And you know, I said, what do you want to do in 10 years? Well, scrap that. Let's, we've just got to think, okay, what's the next three years look like? And let's finish uni. Let's get, um, yeah, let's just keep focused. Uh, and are you renting at the moment or are you still living with family? What's the living sitch? I live with family. So I'm really, really lucky with that. And I honestly try, like, I just maximize the opportunity that I, that I have um, living at home. So, yeah, I just obviously like living at home, I'm able to like save so much more. Like I try and save 80%. Well, not try. I do. I 
I save 80% of my income and then 20% of that um, I spend. It's not really like 20%. I would say it's less than that only because I I'm not a I don't know like the only thing that I buy is food if I'm going out with friends I'm buying food and yeah public transport so I'm paying for food public transport and I also help out with the internet bill which is only like 113 dollars a month not me being specific but it's 113 dollars a month so, so all it's you not need like- is food transportation and wi-fi and you're good yeah, like I'm good. And also, yeah, I also pay for my um own data for like phone, but like it's it's not that bad. So I've only got like four main expenses. I mean, food's not really your main expense, but I do like that's the way that I treat myself. So, yeah. yeah. And if someone was listening and they want to show this episode to someone in their life who's under 25, I want to ask you for some advice based on your situation, right? Some <laughs> life advice. Yeah. What would you say the number one lesson is to managing money? I think number one, discipline. Because if you really don't have discipline, how are you going to be able to save your money? Or if you do put it in a savings account, you're going to be always tempted to take money out. Like for me, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the way that my mind my mind is destructed. I never have that desire to pull money out of my savings account. Like that's just I, like if I if I have five cents, I have five cents. I don't care what my saving account is telling me. I have five cents. Like you're not going anywhere. Like stay home. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. if you know yeah. you're gonna go outside and you're going to be tempted to buy stuff like I know for me as soon as I leave the house and I go to uni I know the kebab place at uni is going to have my money it's going to have my money (laughs) it's going to have my money regardless so discipline is number one like number one if you don't have discipline there's no way you're going to achieve your financial goals there's no way awesome another piece of advice uh, we talked before about values how do you think you would tell people to really um, filter and really work out what is valuable to them in their life? I, like, for me, how I was able to, uh, to, I guess, figure that out, it's just, like, to write stuff down. Like, especially if you write down your goals and what you want to be able to achieve, like, in the future, you can easily be able to see what you actually value and what you actually... One And I think like in the day and age of social media, you really need to understand, okay, what, 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 what do I actually want and not what, oh, like Emily has a car, then that means I value having a car. No, you don't value a car. It's because you saw Emily post it on TikTok, like that she has a car. You don't, you don't like a car. Like, and I guess like when you write down stuff that you, you personally want to achieve, forget about social media, forget all of that and like, what do you actually want to achieve? You can easily pinpoint, like, what you value. Like, for me personally, like, I value experiences over materialistic things. Like, yes, I can go on TikTok, Pinterest, and see, like, aesthetically, like, really nice dresses. Like, like I don't know, people are dressing really nice, people with, like, really nice hair. Like, but for me, like, if I'm, like, for me, I'd rather travel than have, like, really nice things so that's like what I value and I also 
value financial independence like independence for the future so Mm. for me like I know that even though I'm missing out on xyz I value having financial independence so I'm going to be saving my money towards an investment property because that's what I value and Mm. yeah and yeah that's that's like yeah (laughs) how would you encourage people to uh again in this working out values and you know their money and all that how would you articulate trying to find your current purpose in life and i know that's a very philosophical question and you might not have ever thought of that before but even over the next 5 years like you've done a lot with uh youth voice brisbane and i think you can maybe talk um a little bit about that because that's around the purpose thing right so how do we ensure that our values also line up with our purpose? I think for me, like my sister and I always have philosophical talks. We always talk about, but like me and my sister, like, so we and I are always having deep conversations and like, I don't know, like for me, purpose, but like, I don't know, because it's in the, in the world, we always put like such a big thing about like purpose like my purpose is to save the world like you don't have to save the world for that to be your purpose like you know what I mean like you put such a big things about purpose like it's just like for me like a purpose one purpose can be breaking generational poverty in your family like that could be a a purpose and like I think just like in terms of like purpose not really having such a huge focus on that as a such a central thing because once you start having such such a central focus on that particularly if you don't really quite know what your purpose is if you know what you're meant to do in this world like that's amazing that's great but I just think that um looking at what you value in life or what you what you want to get out of life and Mm. that will ultimately lead to what you're actually supposed to do in life because I think purpose can be really overwhelming and well, I think as well, like if we're aligning our life with our values, the purpose will just somehow rise to the top organically it anyway, will. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's the biggest life lesson that you think you've learned to date? Oh, I've got like, okay, I've got like a couple that I really want to say, but I'll just say one. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, no, no, say both of them. Oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> Um, so one thing that I wrote is you have the right to make decisions for your own life don't let your parents or family rob you from what you want to get out of this life and I think like I don't know why headspace I was at the time like oh that's really deep for an 18 year old to be saying that like okay but I think I was just like literally like life is just so short like it's and like we, you only have one life and like mm. Honestly, you have to do the life that you want to do. Like, I think a lot of people, like, get into the trap of trying to please people or trying to live a life where society is telling you to live a certain life, whether Mm. you realise it or not, but it's just an easy trap for people to fall into. And I think, yeah, just live, like, live the life that you want to live. Live what you want to do and don't let your family friends rob you from what you want to get out of this life because you only have one life this isn't a trial and error like this isn't like pre this is the real thing yeah this is this is the real thing exactly and what Um, else have you got on your list you have to romanticize your life 
Ooh. Um, <laughs> Example. Okay, so <laughs> right now, like, I'm really stressed about uni. But, um, like, if I go to, like, uni, like, take a picture of, like, I don't know, the tree. You're romanticizing your life. It looks pretty. Like, oh, like, I don't know. I guess if anyone's, like, on TikTok would understand, like, romanticizing. Or, like, if it's social media. Like, you know, like, you just have to romanticize your life. Like, allow it to be, like, I don't know, just romanticizing. You are the main character in this life, you know? Um, yeah, Yeah, that's so awesome. romanticize your life. <laughs> I love that. Hey, time flies so fast. Is there anything else that you want to just talk about? A public service announcement? Any other, you know, words of wisdom, shout outs, anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No, I think everything was good. Like, yeah, everything is good and stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess like for like people like around my age, just continue like, I don't know, like, if you have a goal in mind, just continue pursuing it and, like, don't really let, like, social media, like, try and, like, I don't know, influence you to make wrong decisions. But that's pretty much, we kind of, like, spoke about that anyways. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you something, and, Nate, you can leave this in the recording because um, I think it's kind of cool. I wrote down when you were talking that, you know, you were not allowing your background and your history to determine your future, right? Like, I may have paraphrased that. I was wondering, so we've got another book coming out. And for those who were at the Sydney and Melbourne live events, we did a, a, a bit of a reveal of the book. It's still in editing at the moment, and I won't give it away too much at the moment. But I did two big chapters on mindset, right? And I talked about our mindset is, um, and I did a, ve- a Venn diagram of our mindset and it's like we're in the middle of the, of the Venn diagram and there's four parts of the mindset that could be pulling us in different directions, right? And the first one is the cultural and societal mindset. So, where we've grown up in our cultures and our society and all that is pulling us one way. The second one is the generational and family mindset that could be pulling us in a direction, right? The third one is an institutional mindset. Now, that could be those who have worked for a government or a corporation and its structure, institutional, right? So, that could be pulling your mindset in one direction. And the other uh, one that overlaps you and all of them uh, is a psychological part which could mean, um, you know, you might have a, a mental health condition. Like I've talked, I've had anxiety, depression and unchecked and not diagnosed correctly. That can make me to make decisions that I wouldn't ordinarily make because I'm not 100% whole at the moment and I need some help, right? So, they're the four main mindset pillars. And it stood out to me when you said not allowing our background to t- to determine future you, it speaks to exactly my mindset then. You've had to make a decision that my background, growing up um, in a socioeconomic area that hasn't got a, a high income, you know, growing up from, um, you know, a refugee camp effectively, like you've, re- you've actually recognised that. And it's not to say that you can fix the past or change it, but it's actually recognising it and saying, 
I'm going to do my best not to make that determine my future. So all that to say, does that make sense, my little rant there? Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> all that to say, I w- and I know we're still in editing at the moment, I would love you to, even if you want to write 300 words, just to share a bit about your story around not allowing your background and experience to determine your future. And, you know, if you want, we can put a photo in the the book because my last book, we had lots of testimonies and comments from people, but it's just so encouraging. And it just so stuck out to me that what you said was exactly what I was writing about in that part of the mindset chapter. Yes, we're more than happy to do that. Well, then happy yeah. to do that. Just awesome. if you have a deadline, just like let me know and stuff. And ASAP. <laughs> it's okay, yeah, yeah, sounds good. So, sounds good. Yeah, I'll try. Yeah. I'll try and um, do it tonight. Yeah. We, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. so yeah, did that? But the, just because I haven't really told many people about that, but did that kind of make sense of like the four types of things that could be pulling on yeah. our mindset? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. No, it's so true. Because I don't know. I just feel like. My sister and I always, like, Sarif and I were always, like, talking about, like, just, like, oh, like, backgrounds, obviously, and, like, I don't know, I just feel like my background is what fuels me to just push, like, and go further, like, I know I've had such, like, disadvantages in life, like, growing in a refugee camp, not having a mom that knows how to read or write, mm-hmm. but, like, for me, it's, like, I don't, like... I talked to my godmother about this, like, my godmother, Sister Sue, and my sister, we always, like, catch up, like, and we always just, like, chat about life. And, like, I just, like, like, the reason why I've been so driven and, like, from an early age, I've just always been so proactive and, like, doing a lot of, like, you know, doing a lot of things in the community, but also just being proactive and, and putting myself out there is, like, I want to be able to have a life and I also want to be able to give my children like like a better life than I've been able to give. And like, you know, when we're talking about purpose, for me, like, I think I've just only like recently kind of like realized this and something that I, I've just like kind of been like, wow, I think like one of my purposes, I guess, in life is to the break the cycle of intergenerational poverty. Like... For me, I want to, you know, I don't want my kids, like, the way that I've been, like, hustling for, like, since I was, like, literally a little kid. I don't want my kids to be able to, like, work as hard as me. So, I, like, I stumbled across a TikTok video and Beyonce was being interviewed. This was ages ago. And one thing that she said was, like, I never came from the projects. I never came out from, like, poverty. Like, I came up in a middle-class family I went to private school I never saw my family struggles we never struggled growing up but I was the reason why I was so hungry for success was because I was so inspired by my parents drive and the way they were successful and for me like that's what I want my kids to be able to look to look up to me like and that's where I want their drive to come from seeing me being successful and how can they also like be successful as well in life one thing I guess for me it's just like like I know this isn't like the end of my chapter and this is not where my lineage is going to stay like having Mm. the cycle of like poverty and like being from low socioeconomic backgrounds we're gonna like you know be further in life yeah and I I think often our 
our thing. Like we've all got a thing, okay? Like, and it, relatively speaking, it could be worse than the other person's, but everyone has their thing. Like you've got your thing, which was grew up in a refugee camp, moved to Australia, um, low socioeconomic, went into university and you're going to have a killer life because you've had those experiences. That's your thing. And you'll turn your thing into a strength and use it for good. And, you know, we've all like my thing, if I talk about like the mental health thing and just encouraging people, if you don't feel good, talk about it, you know, like everyone's got their thing. Like going back to our mindset thing, we can have our thing and be a victim of our thing. And that's not saying that the trauma didn't happen. That's not saying that it's not real, but it is saying I acknowledge my thing and now I need to move forward. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a interesting thing to talk about, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, definitely the part of like moving like forward and yeah, not always playing that like victim mindset if that makes sense it's yeah. just like no survive and I have to push through mm. this and like change the ending of your story change even the middle of the chapter of your story yeah and yeah because and this is okay this is cool we can bring it home here your life is a story right that you're writing and there are things that happen in life that just gets added into the script but what it, the next part of the chapter how are you going to write it like, oh, is that a rhetorical question? Yeah. Or am I supposed yeah, yeah. to, like, allude? Yeah, it's a rhetorical like- question. Like, <laughs> so, like, Don't make I- me, like, so do I have to? Yeah, so yeah, Esther, no. how are you writing the rest of the chapter? Go on. No. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a great chat. And, you know, I've certainly learned just from talking to you and all our listeners have learned, like, you know, now I'm not presumptuous when I hear of someone who has come to Australia under a refugee protection or status or whatever the category they call it, the proper thing, knowing that there could be some, you know, some deep support needed to help educate this person, to support their family. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just a really powerful thing that we can use this platform for good, right? Exactly, yeah. I think if you don't have that experience... Like, you can have, like, an outside perspective of, like, oh, that person is a refugee. You can have, like, assumptions about them. But until you have that conversation and speak to them on a one-on-one, like, basis and get to know their story, I guess it really gives you, like, that. It, it It's just you get the, the full picture without the assumptions and without like any stereotypes that you might have in your head. Mm. And I guess like, yeah, especially like in the like platform of like the world of personal finance, I don't think it's quite normal to have like a person from a refugee background to go back here and to tell them like, you know, their story about, you know, just like how they got into personal finance, but also keep sharing them like their life, their life experiences and stuff as like a refugee. Um, But I guess, like, yeah, it's just a continuous learning. And, like, you know, the, like, you know, the more we have people, like, from underrepresented backgrounds come forward and, like, share their stories, I think that, like, stereotype and all that layer, Mm. um, that layer of empathy can, like, you know, come through. And so, yeah. Yeah. Could not have said it better. 
Esther, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, give Esther a follow, Hustles and Invests on Instagram. Thank you so much. Hope you guys liked the podcast episode. I know, it was good. We just like chatting and hanging out. So, all right, bye-bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.